The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Hello, Dope Village. I apologize for singing, but it's in my veins. <laughs> Man, you know, <laughs> you know this well. I don't know that song. What? No. It's the Doors, Lynn. I Come think if on, I, Lynn. I think if I heard the Doors version, I would recognize it. <laughs> Good point. Got that one. Copy. Uh, and it might be a little bit of a generational gap there. Hi, it's Julie Foudy. I'm here with Lynn Olzawi. Hola, Lynn. Hi there, Jules. How is it going in California? It's not snowing. Which it is apparently in Cleveland. Good Lord. I am looking out the window right now at an ever so slight flurry of snowflakes. Very light. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. it's May. (laughs) I won't tell you that we're going down to the beach later this afternoon. Oh, I just said it. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Uh, um, Our household is doing good, except for the fact that we've had a lot, as you know, of male versus female competitions Mm -hmm. happening during quarantine. Volleyball, ping pong, soccer, (sighs) charades. I'm unhappy to report that the girls are not winning lately. And that has me in a really crappy mood. We played volleyball last night Mm -hmm. and Izzy and I lost 21 to 19. When you lost, was there a reaction? Was there an outburst of any kind? I tried to keep it calm, but it's it's a problem. It really is. Like, I get angry, and I accept that. First step is admitting it. I get angry and competitive. And so I'm trying to set a good example for my kids, but I am like, <gasps> I'm working on improving, as, as we all are. Yes. Actually, it's the perfect segue, because our guest today on the podcast, Amy Van Dyken, has mastered that self-improvement to a level that is remarkable. Amy is a six-time Olympic gold medalist in swimming. And I'll say that again. Six-time Olympic gold medalist, all gold in swimming. And she made history at the 1996 Atlanta Games, where she won four of them. We will talk about that. And then one summer night in 2014, her life changed forever after an ATV accident severed her spinal cord, and left her paralyzed from the waist down. But since then, she has created Amy's Army to help people with spinal cord injuries, which is part of her foundation. And she is now an adaptive CrossFit beast, which is not surprising. And she credits that with helping her reconnect with her inner athlete and really build her community back up again. So get comfortable listening. It's Amy Van Dyken. Support for Laughter Permitted comes from Ally. Is your money not sure what to do with itself right now? At Ally, they'll help it save for the future with their smart savings tools. Bucket your money for the things that matter most. Analyze your spending and save automatically. All on top of a competitive rate. For all things money, you deserve an ally. Visit com slash savings for more info. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Cliff Bar & Company has been fueling athletes for almost 30 years with their Cliff & Luna Bars, and this is super cool. Even during a time when there are no live sports, Cliff & Luna continue to support female athletes. In fact, 
Right now, they're featuring awesome women on their new limited edition Cliff Bar packaging, including soccer star Megan Rapino, tennis legend Venus Williams, surfer Lakey Peterson, skateboarder Jordan Barrett, climber Ashima Shiraishi, and mountain biker Katarina Nash. Check out these awesome new packages for yourself in store or online at cliffbar.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time, finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. The first thing we do, Aim, on this podcast is we do a set the scene. So, meaning where you're at, what you're doing, all those kinds of things. Well, I'm in my house. I know that's shocking for most people. Right. I'm in my house. Let's see. I'm on my sofa right now. I have got my left leg propped up on my wheelchair. My right leg is uh, holding up this computer. Good thing it doesn't move. Uh, and I've got um, a, a squeaky dog toy in my lap. Girl, you're ready for the game. I'm ready. <laughs> you have no idea what the squeaky dog toy is for, but it will become very apparent in the end. And okay, my good. toy, not to get competitive this early, but my toy is going to beat your toy. Okay. All just, right. We got just, it. Just setting the scene there for you. Okay. <laughs> so let's rewind, if, if you would, to 1996, because that was our very first Olympics together. Yep. For women's soccer, it was the very, very first ever. And it was in the United States, which I don't know about you, but I didn't realize was such a cool thing at the time. Right. I was just like, oh, awesome. Yeah. Olympics are, you know, are happening. Not realizing right. like it's a once in a lifetime event that you get to participate in your own country in the Olympics. Anyways, yeah. what were your expectations going in? <laughs> My expectations were I just wanted to make the final heat in something. I wanted to medal in something. Um, I thought I had a pretty good chance, obviously, in the relays to medal. And then I thought maybe I could get a medal in the 50 freestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was feeling good about myself and then sports illustrated puts out this thing, like who's expected to get what and all these, and then there's me and I'm like, so excited to look at it. And it's like expected to possibly win a bronze medal. And I was like, (laughs) excuse you, no, excuse me. I'm so sorry that I didn't read that right. I'm so sorry. So that I think would have fire under my booty. I have no idea what, but I wasn't expecting anything. And what was really cool going into those games were aside from people in Colorado, really nobody knew who I was. So all the photographers are on like Janet Evans and, you know, all of these superstars and they were leaving me alone. So that was really cool. That was before the games, right? And then of course, once the games start, the competition starts, there's nobody allowed near us really. So then that was nice. And I didn't really realize the impact of what I did until I landed back in Colorado. Really? Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. remind our listeners. We call our listeners the Dope Village. Yes. And let's remind the Dope Village what that Olympics looked like. Good Lord, sister. So you come in with only the expectation. Well, Sports Illustrated came in only with the expectation of bronze. Stupid Sports Illustrated. <laughs> 
And right. So, yeah. So, you know, the first night I swam and I swam the hundred freestyle and that was not my race. I just kind of wanted to do whatever. And I hit the wall and I got fourth place, which, Hey, you know what? I wanted to win a bronze medal. We're still on fire. Four more events to go. But then the worst thing happens. I collapse on the pool deck with leg cramps. So now mm. everyone's counting me out of these games altogether. So now Sports Illustrated's like bronze, whatever. Homie's got to go home. <laughs> so after that, I, we had to swim a relay, and it was the next night. And I had to swim that same event that I collapsed. Um, we ended up breaking the world record, gold medal, and I ended up going the fastest split in history. Wow. So now me and Sports Illustrated, we're on a roll. <laughs> The day after that was the 100 Butterfly, and I hate that event. Whoever invented the butterfly should be kicked in the shin (laughs) very hard. And I went out that night, and I was swimming, and all of a sudden, the crowd got really loud, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, someone must be swimming really well. I hit the wall, and I was like, that's a good time. And I didn't realize until the announcer said it, and I, like, almost- What? Yeah. I'm like, what is that one by there? Like, what is that- I mean, I won by a hundredth of a second. So it was pretty close. Oh like, my gosh. I will still watch it to this day and go, Ooh. that's the thing about swimming that gets me. Cause we don't have that of course in soccer is it's like the, the, Oh, like a fingernail. And I, that would drive me like, ah, if you're well, on you know, the flip side of that, you know, it'll drive you nuts is that I heard later. Actually I heard last summer, the girl that got second to me, she was from China. Her nickname yeah. was 0.01. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that hurts. Oh. Right? It hurts. A little she bit. live oh, with that. Tell her I said hi. Point oh one on the on the plus side. That's right. <laughs> so the day after then the day after that, now I've got two gold medals. We do another relay. Do great. And then the day after that was the fifty free. And what was funny was the fifty free was my best event. Like that's my baby, right? Splash and dash. It's all guts, all glory. Who's the meanest, the nastiest? The- <laughs> And uh, my coach didn't let me talk to anybody that day. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Well, I didn't realize that if I won a gold medal, I would be the first American woman to win four golds in one Olympics. I had no idea. And so I swim the race, hit the wall. I won, still not getting what's going on. I see my coach crying. I'm thinking like he's just crying like from happy tears that he doesn't have to deal with me anymore. And then I do an interview with a local Denver station. And the guy goes, well, Hey, how did it feel to break the Olympic record? So my time broke the Olympic record, right? So I do the whole thing that we as athletes do. Well, you know, I've been uh, working on my start, my turn with it. And he gives me this look and I'm thinking, did I just drop an F-bomb on live television? So I saw this look, right? Yeah. exactly. Why are you looking at me? Like I just did something really bad, like stinky or whatever. So I stopped and smiled because that'll make it better. And he goes, no, you're the first American woman to win four golds and one Olympics. And I remember looking dead in the camera and my response to that was, shut up. <laughs> we got to find that. <laughs> that lives somewhere. That's so good. You had no idea. Yes, that was the first time I found out. I'm like, are you, wait, what just happened? So I had to ask my coach, like I had to ask people, I'm like, what just, what is this? So yeah, shut the front door, shut the front door, you, <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty awesome. So yeah, I still, I'm the first, no one's broken it yet. And that was back in 96, like, you know, when I was two. So you know what, 2021, it will be broken and I will be there for it for sure. But will um, you? yeah. Oh, I have to be, I have to be like, yeah. you know that, right? Like when, yeah. 
the people coming up after you break your record, you're like, I've got to watch that. And I've got to be the person to give you the first hug. And it's going to be who you think? I think, well, I think Katie Ledecky for sure. Yeah. But I also think there's a swimmer who also swims for Stanford, Simone Manuel, who's a sprinter. I think she could do it as well. I don't want to brag, Amy, but uh, they've been on the podcast, both of them together. Yes, I love them so much. Like, Simone is my woman crush. I love them. (laughs) And, like, stupid, right? Because, like, I got to interview her one time, and I was, like, a flippin' child. And I'm like, oh, my, this person, like, oh, my, she's a swimmer. They're awesome. My events, like, get it together. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, of course they're awesome. They're Stanford Cardinals. Oh, gosh. There it is. Thanks, Bless Jules. America. Uh, yeah. Bear you down. Knew it was coming. It's coming. You knew it was coming. Um, yeah, those two. That's going to be fun to see if, yeah. if, if we have it in 2021. Fingers crossed, yes. Fingers crossed. I know. This is nuts. Going back to 96, I think your reaction to winning those four is one of the reasons why America fell in love with you. You were so earnest about it that we were just as excited as you were. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. That makes me feel really good. Like, I'm not one to hide my emotions. You know if I'm happy. You know if I'm sad. You know if I like you. And you know if I don't. <laughs> oh, you know there. what happened in 2000 as well. Was somebody <laughs> weren't quite enamored we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, but I appreciate that because it was, you know, it was hard to, it's hard to hide your emotions when you're out there. And, like, you know, you're, you're doing this thing that you've been doing since you're a child. And maybe your childhood dream was to go to the Olympics and now you're there. So now you're a part of this history with all of those people that you've watched, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what sport. So, you know, cause I remember growing up, I was a big, huge, you know, I loved gymnastics and I loved figure skating and I became a swimmer. So um, it was cool to be a part of that whole thing. And just the fraternity that is the Olympics. It's awesome. So Gosh, how, how much life must change after that, right? From going in with no expectations right. to first, yeah. you said first female Olympian. First female American, yeah, to yep. win four golds in one games, any sport, summer, winter, whatever. So um, that was cool. I was also the most decorated athlete, which I love to tease Michael Johnson about, him and his gold shoes, that I was the most decorated <laughs> athlete, male or female. Does get. So that was really cool because it was like the games of the, of the women. Yeah. You know, I mean, you remember that. Everyone was just talking yeah. about the chicks and – you know, poor Michael mm-hmm. Johnson's like, but I got gold shoes. And no one cares, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no one cares, Mike. We're good. No, no way. Go home. <laughs> Love him. I'm kidding, Mike, if you're listening. <laughs> All right. So fast forward to Sydney. Uh, two more golds, right? Yeah. And did you know that was going to be your final Olympics? I did. Yeah, did. I knew going in there. I had had um, two shoulder surgeries that they told me would probably end my career. So just the fact that I made the team was shocking. So to go to 2000, to come home with two more gold medals and to really just cap my career in a way that's so crazy. You know, I swam eight Olympic races. My first race, I got fourth. And my last race, I got fourth. And oh, in the no middle, way. I did okay. So it was pretty cool, right? <laughs> I did okay. And it was a cool way to do it. And I remember, you know, right after the 50 free, I got in fourth place. I got out of the water. And Australians love swimming, you know, that's like their jam. And so they all knew it was over. I knew it was over. They were standing up, applauding, and I was standing there. And then they all sat down. And one of my closest friends was actually wearing my husband's football jersey because he couldn't be there. He was at camp. And she stood up. And I 
when my husband played, I would be like, come on, honey, kick him in the ding ding. (laughs) Don't know why he was a punter. Maybe that's why. Don't know. Um, but she stood up and she screamed in front of all those people, you kicked him in the ding ding. And I was like, yes. And so now NBC is trying to pull me off the deck, right? Cause they're all like on time constraints. They're like, fans, I can get off. And they asked me later, like, why did you stand there for so long? And I said, well, that's the last time that I will ever hear applause for myself. Mm. The next time someone is applauding, it's not for me. And I knew that was it. So I wanted to really just soak it in. Um, do you know what I took out of all of that? Uh-oh. Kick him in the ding ding. Yes. Because, <laughs> because ding ding is what we use or used to use no, with the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that and the fact that you had eight races, fourth place, first, six in the middle, you did pretty well. Fourth place, your last one. Yeah. I mean, think about that. All your medals. You had six medals, all of them. Gold, Amy. Right. But eight gold. Six, but eight golds, my mother-in-law would say. Come on. Let's have a spot of tea. Oh, I mean, had you, had you landed on like the second or third step, would you have been like, yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm yeah, good. I would have been, listen, I, listen, Julie, I, I am not a smart woman. So if you confuse me with a silver or a bronze, like it's just going to get muddled. So I probably would have stepped out. No. <laughs> I tell people that, but like, I would have been stoked for it, you know, for anything, anytime you're on the podium. So can I tell you exactly where I was for that, that moment that I referenced earlier, the the 2000 games, I remember being in college and we were watching you race and as swimmers do, you take, I don't know why, why do swimmers do this? You take a gulp of water and then you spit it out. Right. Why do you guys do do that? that? I do it. Well, I've always done it. I'll explain this to you in a minute. I do it because I'm so nervous and my mouth is really dry. That's why I do it. Some people, it's just nervous energy, but that's why I did it. I mean, I fell in love with you with the 96 games. I bowed to you in the 2000 games. I always wonder, you know, why did you do it? Which is, maybe you can explain it. Yeah. So what it is, is um, I would spit in the lane of my competitors. And I've oh, here's what's funny about this whole situation that I don't know a lot of people know. I did it since high school. Mm. And I did it in 96. As a matter of fact, Rowdy Gaines did an interview with me while we were as a team and he was, you know, doing the pre-interviews and he asked me about the spitting. And I told him, hey, listen, I saw Matt Biondi do it. I thought it was the thing. First time I tried it, I won my first race. So of course it wasn't my ability. It was the fact that I spit in someone else's lane, right? (laughs) And so I have always done it. And then all of a sudden, for some reason at the 2000 Olympics, even though I had just done that interview a week before with Rowdy, he acted like I had never, oh, you'd never seen it. Ever. Oh my, oh my God, spawn of the devil. And I'm like, did you have nothing else to talk about? Like you got that interview in a can. So I had always done it, but you know, I'd always done it to like the Chinese swimmers. And then I did it to the girl from the Netherlands and which is where my family's from. I have a flipping tulip named after me. Um, <laughs> it's burnt orange. It's not cute. Let's not get excited. So you're going to use in a wedding. Um, but you know, then I do it to her and I don't know if the games were not exciting. They didn't have a lot to talk about, but they brought that up. And then, but it's funny Lynn that you say that because like my husband was at training camp. I had, you know, said that earlier and all of his teammates, same thing. 
high-fiving. They were like, that's awesome. That's the best thing ever. But it was like people who weren't in sports were like, ooh, God, how dare she? Ew. <laughs> you looked like such a baller in the moment. And obviously, I was rooting for you. I'm rooting for Amy Van Dyken. Well, thanks. I just, I just thought it was, it was that you were in the moment and you were – you were getting in your zone and like, yeah, you are, I'm going to do everything I need to win this race kind of a thing. Well, yeah. And there was a lot of history there with me and, and, uh, Inga de Bruyne. Um, a lot of history. We were actually down getting drug tested, um, the beginning of the swim meet. And I looked over at her and she, I can't make this up, looked at me and went, Shh. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the, that's the cat motion that Amy yeah, just made. I just made a cat motion and a hiss. And I'm like, wait, what is this all about? I'm like, oh, don't hiss at me. I'll spit right at you. Don't you dare. <laughs> what was that? What was the history of the hiss? I have no idea. I don't know like, what happened. Had you been in a cat fight? We were good friends before this. Oh, weird. She was trying to get in your head. She was. You got in hers. Yeah, here's the thing. Listen, I, I may not have been the best athlete physically, but mentally, I will kill you. Just Ooh. don't even try just don't, do it. don't mess with me. So when you retire after the Sydney games with your six golds, what did you envision you were going to do? Aim? Like, what did you see your life after that being? Um, I wanted to go teach high school biology to a school for the deaf and blind. My second language is sign language. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. Life took a completely different turn. Um, and I did not do that. I ended up doing, um, a celebrity sportscaster day, um, in Colorado and they hired me on the spot to do 2002 winter games. And I was like, wait, what? So then my career in the media, there it was. And my life took a completely different turn than I ever, ever thought it would. How long were you a radio host? Wow. Let's see. I got my first radio gig. I was doing TV and radio back in 2004 to 2008. And then I stopped doing the TV, uh, had my own morning shock jock. I know it's shocking. Um, radio show in Arizona. (laughs) Um, and we, gosh, we were together four years and I got hired to do the 2012 games. Um, for Fox, and they said, "Hey, if you want to do national radio, we got a spot open. If you want to inter- audition, I said, "Great." Auditioned, I got hired that first night, and um, I did that until I got injured in 2014. So you're a successful radio host. You're on Fox Sports, and take us to what turned out to be another life turn for you that night in June, I believe, of 2014. Take us all the way back. Yeah, it was June 6, 2014, and we were at our house um, in Arizona in the mountains. We were on our way to Colorado because my um, husband's birthday is June 9th. (laughs) Yay, happy birthday, honey. (laughs) Um, And I remember, you know, waking up, I took our dog for a walk. I went and I did CrossFit, and the owner of that particular gym came in that day. He had gone to regionals trying to go to the CrossFit games, and he didn't make it, so he was back. And I got to meet him, and his name was DJ. He was a firefighter, great guy. Went home that day, you know, dilly dicking around, decided to go to dinner. And the place that we decided to go, it's a quarter of a mile away. Like it was nothing. We'd walked there several times. And my husband wanted to take his truck. And I was like, listen, babe, we've been living in Los Angeles. Like I want to ride my ATV. Like I want to feel the fresh mountain air on my face. And 
you take your motorcycle. And he was like, great. So we get there, say hi to everybody, do our thing, have our dinner. And I remember standing up and pushing in my chair. And that's where my memory stops. I have mm. no idea what happens. Um, there were a bunch of people around. Um, I didn't realize how many until afterwards when they start telling me that they were there and they saw it. Um, my husband normally would take off in front of me. And had he done that, he probably wouldn't have found me. But yeah. something happened with his motorcycle and he was like, go ahead, go ahead, I guess. And uh, I got on my ATV and I started going. Don't know what happened. I hit a curb and went over a six foot cliff. And he ran over to the cliff and the ATV was upside down. Like you see in the movies, the wheels were spinning. Mm-hmm. I was face down and he could see that my back was broken. Mm. So he rushed down there and I wasn't breathing, but he knew my back was broken. So he knew I had to be careful. So he rolled me over and he lifted up my neck and I started convulsing and my eyes went two different directions mm-hmm. for about five minutes ish. Um, my first responder got there who happened to be a guy that owned a CrossFit gym named DJ. No way. Yeah. So he's a big part of my life now and uh, I will never like, he's just amazing. Um, and they got me on flight for life and they shouldn't have probably gotten the air, the helicopter down where I was. They've actually told me later that that was the stupidest thing they've ever done, but they did it. They got me in there um, and got to Osborne hospital here in Arizona. And my doctor said he looked at my scans and at that moment he shut down his trauma center and any trauma center that he could have been called to. And so, of course, me, being me, I'm like, why? Because I won gold medals. He was like, no, Amy, it was really bad. So before my surgery, um, he actually had me say goodbye to my husband, say goodbye, do all the goodbyes. And it was- Do you remember any of that? Or is this still- Oh, you do now remember. You just don't remember the accident. I remember waking up, actually. I'm sitting in the pre-op. And I remember uh-huh. coming to, and my husband was there and the doctor, and the doctor comes over to me and shows me his iPhone and shows me this horrific x-ray, which is now on TMZ. Thank you. Um, and he said, you're not understanding me. He goes, I'm working in nanometers. I'm going to try as hard as I can to get you out of there, but just in case I do not, I need you right now before we go in to say goodbye to your husband. Mm. And I remember I told him, I said, babe, I love you, and I want you to move on. I want you to be happy. And if I don't come out, you can date and get married. Just be happy. And he got really close to me. And he said, if this is too much, you can let go and I'll understand. And I thought, well, you are not getting rid of me that fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I said that I would make your life miserable for all of eternity. So we are going to continue. Um, and then I got wheeled into the operating room. And now the thing is like, you know, I mean, you guys have been in operating rooms. The thing is they're usually pretty loud. They've got the music going, everyone's talking, doing the things. It was dead silent. Mm. And there were a bunch of people there. Everyone had waiters on because if people don't know, it's a really bloody surgery to do a spinal surgery. They all had their waiters on and some people had igloo coolers. So me being on Dilaudid, I lift my head up and I go, oh my God, it's a party, BYOB. Another reason I had to live, because can you imagine, Dr. What were her last words? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, so I came out of it. Um, I'm now a T11 complete paraplegic. Wait, what did the scan show when when he showed you? What was it? The scan showed when I dislocated. Um, I dislocated inward. The way that I dislocated, I should have been cut in half. 
Um, but because I was so fit from swimming and CrossFit and all the things I did not, my vertebrae was, if you take one of your hairs and you split it in half, it was that width away from my aorta. So had they moved me the wrong way in any way, I wouldn't have been here. So it was a really long surgery just because he had to back it out so carefully um, as to preserve whatever spinal cord I did have there. Um, but what ended up happening is it, it snapped backwards. So it snapped like a rubber band, um, which causes more fun for me. But um, so there was no cord there, but he had to back it out and then reset it and all of that. So they did have a cardiothoracic surgeon there um, just in case, I, you know, if you first year aorta, you're done. So anyway, I, you know, I did die a couple of times in that accident and I'm just happy to be here and to be able to make everyone's life as miserable as possible. <laughs> what do you mean you died a couple of times? Like literally? Uh, yeah, literally. So when my husband found me, I was dead. Um, and then, um, I flatlined a couple more times. So that's why I have on my wrist, I have um, a Phoenix tattoo rising from the ashes. And if you uh. go underneath his wing, it's the last time that my heart rate was kind of wonky. And then it goes into my normal sinus rhythm which that obviously did not happen, but I have it there to remind myself, like if I'm ever having a bad day to suck it up buttercup, cause it could be way worse. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, oh. I, sh- I should not have made it out of that surgery. Cliff Bar and Company is the family and employee owned maker of Cliff Bars, Cliff Kid and Luna Bars. And here's something I love about them. Since they started almost 30 years ago, they've always put people and communities first. Now they've committed to help feed the fight with, get this, an initial donation of more than 7 million Cliff, Luna, and Cliff Kid Bars to food banks, first responders, and healthcare workers fighting this pandemic. Boom! Community. It's a beautiful thing. Is your money not sure what to do with itself right now? At Ally, they'll help it save for the future with their smart savings tools. Bucket your money for the things that matter most. Analyze your spending and save automatically. All on top of a competitive rate. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit com slash savings for more info. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Talk about to just coming out of that surgery because I know you've been um, open about some of the challenges of just rehab in itself, but take us through some of that. So coming out of the surgery was fine. I mean, you know, I was in ICU for almost three weeks um, and, you know, hooked up to all sorts of machines. Um, You know, people ask me when I, how did you know you were paralyzed? Like, you know, I'm getting fed all these fluids and I know I'm in like an excruciating pain and I know that, you know, I'm not having to tinkle. And I know that every 30 minutes, there's a group of five people who come in and move me from my right side to my back and then to my left side. So I don't get sores. I know that the hot doctor comes in and I feel nothing. So I know I'm (laughs) the evident. (laughs) So, um, you know, with that, I mean, I just knew that I was here for a reason. Right. And at that moment, I, I knew my life was going to be different. I didn't realize how different, right? But um, I couldn't wait to get in a wheelchair to like boot scoot around again and do all the things. And what's so weird 
is that I hear from other paras that they get in the wheelchair and they just feel awful. They feel constrained. They don't like it. And I felt comfortable. Mm. I don't know. It could have been my life. This is my life path. I don't know. I mean, I was in the hospital a total of almost four months and rehabbing. So when I talk about rehabbing, it is learning how to put on your pants, learning how to put on your shoes, um, learning how to navigate the wheelchair, how to do wheelies, how to go up and down stairs in your wheelchair, um, which we can do. It's awful, but we can do it. How to use the restroom because it's Mm -hmm. very different. If you think Mm -hmm. about it, and I never thought about this, I am paralyzed from my belly button down. So I don't know when I have to use the restroom. So you train your body to do it. And so you, you learn that, um, you learn how to do the basic skills again, you know, empty a dishwasher, um, cook a dinner. I remember I was so excited to cook a meal in there for my family. Uh, it probably tasted horrific, but I was so excited to be able to do it. So you learn all that stuff. You learn how to drive, you know, you learn how to get in and out of things. So I went from being a swimmer to all of a sudden being a, um, a mathematician, um, being um, an engineer and a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't even, I mean, beyond the physical challenges of learning all those skills again in a different way, yeah. the mental challenges as an Olympian, knowing what your body can do, and now you're unable to do so many of those things. Right. Well, and it gets a little worse than that too, right? I mean, I, I refuse to swim because I can't do it the way I did. You know, I used to have really good hip rotation. I don't have a core anymore. I can't rotate mm-hmm. my hips. I float. Um, when I get my head in the right position, I see my feet dangling. Like it's just a constant reminder that I am paralyzed. And that's where I feel really, really paralyzed. Um, another thing that used to bother me and I'm sort of getting over it now is, you know, I'm six feet tall, but back in the day I would wear five to six inch stiletto heels. Mm. Why? Because I could. Um, (laughs) so I did. Um, and you know, I would go into places and there I am, you know, at the time I had the blonde hair and I'm now I'm six, five and I've got the skinny jeans and I'm in really good shape and people would turn and look and be like, Ooh, who's that? And then I get in the wheelchair and people turn and look and go, ooh, poor thing. Mm-hmm. Completely different mm-hmm. way of being seen. Um, I've, gotten it over, I've gotten over it now. And I, I think that I try to make people feel so comfortable that they don't see me as the mm-hmm. girl in the wheelchair. Like my friends don't even see it anymore, you know, which is really cool. You said something about the pool. And I've heard you say this before that everyone was telling you the pool is great therapy and rehab and because you feel lighter, but it didn't have that effect on you at all. No, the first day I remember distinctly, I was so excited to be able to get back in the pool. You know, here I am and I have to have this brace because I had so many vertebrae broken and you know, they had to hold them together. And I felt like, Oh my gosh, I'll be like, I'll be able to move. Right. I got in that water and I I remember looking at my husband and he was like, Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I remember screaming and crying. I was like, get me out of here now. Like that is where I feel paralyzed. Mm-hmm. I truly do. I've got an amazing pool in my backyard here in Arizona. I've had a lot of my friends who are paralyzed say, oh, I would be in that thing all the time, all day, every day. No, nope. I have no desire. I feel so helpless and paralyzed and not like myself in the water. Now let's not kid ourselves. I can float and have a cocky tail and I feel just fine. <laughs> But like when I go and I actually try to swim, you know, it's just so different that um, I don't enjoy it. 
And, and I imagine that had to have been your sanctuary in a sense, right? So that has to be um, yeah. jarring as well. Very much so. I mean, Julie, I remember like when I was training and like there, you know, and you know how it goes, like you're training and you're these long hours and you're like, I just need a space for myself. Yeah. I would go to the bottom of the pool and I would lay down and just look up. And I would see everybody passing over me and it was just quiet and you just hear the bubbles and there's nothing else. It's just you and your thoughts. Kind of the same thing when you train and stare at that black line. If you can, you know, zone out enough to get out of your own head, it was like very peaceful for me. It was just, I loved it so much. And now because so much of me is paralyzed that I float, I can't mm-hmm. even get down to the bottom of the pool anymore. Right. So I don't have my happy place. So I found a new happy place. Yeah. Where is that? How did you break through? How did I? Okay. So I was, I was a CrossFitter, like, right. Like I worked out and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to get muscles and you know, whatever. And, um, pre 2014, even pre 2014, the day I did CrossFit and there was actually a guy that I had watched. His name was Kevin Ogar. And he was kind of like an up and coming guy, but he was from Colorado, which is where I was. Well, he's not from there, but he lived there. And so I followed him. He got injured in a freak accident and his x-ray looks exactly like mine. They told him he should have been cut in half, like the whole thing. Wow. So anyway, I gave money to his cause, right? Cause he was a crossword. He didn't have insurance. So I gave him some money. Anyway, fast forward to now I'm in the hospital. He comes to visit me and he tells me, he goes, Hey, listen, like, there's this adaptive CrossFit thing that we're trying to get off the ground. So bear with me. Great. Fast forward three, three years. And I'm in Colorado for the summer. And I call him, I go, Hey Kev, let's go to dinner. And he goes, yeah, when are you coming to my gym? I said, that's funny. I'm not. He goes, okay, cool. Well, we're not going to talk until you do. And he hung up the phone. I'm like, excuse, excuse me. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, F, you know, F you. So, <laughs> let's get that straight. So I was like, well, I'm going to show him, right? I go to his gym and fell in love with it again. It's a different type of thing, but I fell in love with it and ended up going to the Wheelwad Games. And, you know, at 46, I became the second fittest seated female athlete in the world. Um, that, that was just this past summer, right? It was, it was, yeah, last summer. So we were supposed to um, be actually heading out the first week of June for Wheelwad Games this year, right. where I was going to not get a second place. Right. Of that course, is very unbecoming of you. It was awful. And what made it worse is that one of the guys who's like the head of the Wheelwad Games who gives us your met- the, the medals, he put them <laughs> around my neck and he goes, I'm so excited to give you your first silver, silver medal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. <laughs> So I will never do that again. But I did look at the girl that got third and I said, by the way, I'm old enough to be your mother. (laughs) Wait, so it was supposed to be this summer in June, you said? Yeah, it was supposed to be the first week of June. Uh, I know, I know. But listen, I'm still, I've, you know, got a little set up in my garage now. And so I'm still training, you know, who knows what's going to happen if they're going to do it online or how they're going to do it. But at the end of the day, it's how I keep my mind clear. It's how I go to the bottom of the pool and look up, you mm-hmm. know, is lifting up heavy weights and then throwing them down and just feeling like, <laughs> <laughs> How good does it feel to tap into that inner jock, that inner mean and nasty that you have? 
oh my gosh, it feels, it felt so good. Right. So like I hadn't really been in a competition since 2000. So last summer I'm in a competition and here are these other girls, you know, listen, if you want to see a true athlete, watch a one armed athlete climb a 15 foot rope in like two seconds. Amazing. So I'm watching all these athletes. I get on the competition floor and I'm looking at these other girls in the wheelchairs like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to spit on you and blah, 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 all these things. And it ends up halfway through the workout. I'm like, come on girls, we can do it. So it felt so good to tap into that, but then to have another avenue. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or not another avenue, but another mindset. So it was so awesome and so liberating. It truly mm. was to be out there and showing people all this hard work that we've put in and like having it pay off. It was amazing. Did doing CrossFit help you in your everyday life? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I can now pull my big booty into a lifted truck. Oh, um, yeah. If I'm on an airplane and I need to get, you know, they always put me at the bulkhead. Um, and if I need to get something out of, the overhead compartment where my stuff is. Um, I'll just boot scoot over the seats, grab onto it, pull myself up and get my bag. Of course, all the flight attendants are like, what is she doing? I'm like, I need my headphones. I didn't have to come with you. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun. And like, you know, I always get a window seat and everyone freaks out. They're like, oh my gosh, are you going to be okay getting over there? Are you sure we can switch you to an aisle? I'm like, I do not want strange man meat climbing over me when they have to go to the bathroom. So I will take the window and I just like gym, gymnast it right on over there. Um, so yeah, it's really helped. Uh, I'm one of those individuals where I'm still klutzy in a wheelchair like I was with two feet and I fall all the flipping time out of my wheelchair. I just, I guess I just don't care. It helps me be able to get back into my wheelchair without needing help. So it's helped me so much. I mean, my husband is like, I will pay whatever it costs to keep you in CrossFit because A, you're not a snarky woman anymore. Rewind that. You're not as wait. Yeah, as I was going to say, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I ain't buying that one. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> You're not as snarky as you are when you work out. And it's so much. Like, you can just see the physicality. You know, my back of my wheelchair used to go up above my injury, and now it's way below. What that means is that that core that I don't have, I'm actually engaging it. Even though I don't know I am, I am. So I just, I attribute that to working out. So listen, it's just a way for me to, you know, hang out with some people and have yeah. some fun and be a little sweat on. And it's a community, I bet too, right? That, yeah. that values, you know, the work you're putting in and you're sweating with them. I love that. That's what I miss most, honestly, during all of this is that, that tribal sweat community of people you're always working out with. Right. Isn't it true? Like part of my whole day was, you know, I would work out at nine and be home at noon. Like it's an hour class mm -hmm. <laughs> just because you are, you're hanging out with your people. I do. I miss that so much. Like, you know, I, I love the fact that we're reconnecting with people on zoom. Like every Thursday night we have a happy hour with my elementary school. Mm -hmm. We have like, you know, the U S swim team, we have, you know, a zoom. So my liver is crying out for help, <laughs> but it's cool to be able to reconnect, but I miss yeah. hugging people. Like I, yeah. you know, Smack yeah, that human face. human connection. Yeah. When you look back on these six years, Amy, what have you learned about yourself? I'm way stronger than I ever thought. And I know that sounds funny, right? Because Lynn's asking me, you know, you're the girl that's spitting at people and all the things. So you would think that I was really strong. And I was, but there was always that insecurity, which is why I did what I did. Um, you know, the spitting and the grunting and the slapping of the, you know, arms and all that. There was an insecurity. I am now in a wheelchair and I should be more insecure than ever. 
and I'm not. I have mm-hmm. learned to really overcome that. I have learned that I am physically strong, mentally strong, and I've really learned that um, if I can share my message as much as possible and help people, the reason that people treat people differently when they are differently abled, whatever that ability is, it's because they don't know. They're trying to be kind, but it's coming off as not kind. Mm-hmm. So I feel I can now have that voice to tell people, this is how I would like to be treated. So maybe other wheelies would like to be treated that way. So I do have a voice and I, I feel that um, I'm helping a community, which really makes me happy. And then of course, you know, I have my nonprofit, which um, yeah. I never thought I'd do ever. I mean, Amy Van Dyke can help other people. <laughs> and now you've got an army. Are you kidding me? Amy's army. I know. And it's amazing. And we're doing so many fun things. Like it's yeah. just, you know, we just got a cute little girl, um, Savannah, a power chair. She's three years old. She's got muscular dystrophy. It was taken forever. Uh. I call her. I'm like, we need a conference call. Let's get on the call. What is the problem? Well, Savannah can't decide if she wants a purple wheelchair or a pink wheelchair. Sparkles or not. Can we half and half it? Like they're like, what's going to cost more? I don't care what it costs. Get the the wheelchair she wants. So it's really cool, like being able to do things like that. I I saw on on your foundation website too. Like there was another, and and you do a lot of this. I know for kids under eighteen, but there was another girl who was having a problem standing, and so you created this standing, I don't know what you call it. I'm botching it a bit, but it was, it was awesome that she was able to stand on this adaptive piece that you were, you created and bought for them or whether it's a special bed or that's amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, It's a standing frame and those are so important for us, right? I mean, it helps with circulation. It helps with digestion, which I told you earlier, we have a problem with because you know, my guts are also paralyzed. So, you know, we got to, get them moving. So, you know, it's really cool. It's not, it's neat to see people and how they react. Um, we just helped one of the Columbine survivors get a new wheelchair because, um, he's homeless. He's, you know, bless this kid's heart. He went to school one day, got shot seven times and now he's homeless and needs a wheelchair. Uh. So, you know, we at least got him, uh, into a good place and Amy's army got him a wheelchair and man, he's ready to rock it out and start all over again. So that's Uh. what makes me happy is by doing something so minimal, really, in anyone's life, it changes someone's world completely. Good for you, sister. Thanks, Mom. Damn, I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. You know how you talked about tapping into your inner mean and your inner uh, feisty? Yes. We're about to do that. This is my tapping into my inner feisty. Okay. You You have to get that competitive edge out, Amy. Yes. Right now. This, All right. Is how, this is how I do it. Welcome okay. to Lynn's Game. Amy, you are going to go head-to-head with Julie Foudy. Ooh, oh, gosh. Every game has a theme. It's a trivia game. There are five questions. The main rule is that you have to squeak in or make a noise before you give your answer. Okay. So, Amy, what have you got for your noisemaker? Well, I've got two things here. Um, I, I recently, yeah, so i got... I didn't know that that's good to get in fast, so I've got to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the winner. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait, what this. is it? I can't see it. Show me again. Um, it is a dog squeaky toy. Um, he is like a Bob Ross um, takeoff, so there's his little paintbrush, um, his little hat. So, yeah, he's <laughs> painting happy clouds. Okay, oh, good. It's hilarious. It is. It's a Bob Ross. Yeah. 
squeaky pink toy, but looks kind of like a. But is it as good as this squeaky toy? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. As Julie blows up. My whoopee cushion. The right. theme of today's game is she was the first. Oh, boy. In honor of Amy being the first American woman like to it. win four golds in a single Olympics. And Julie, I read that you were the first woman to receive the FIFA Fair Play Award which does not make any sense given what I've heard as far as your behavior <laughs> playing ping pong with your children. <laughs> I did. I was the first woman or something like that. That's so cool. You are such a bad. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. Tell my kids that. Okay. All of these questions are related to women doing things for the first time. Here we go. Question one. I feel like I'm going to win this. I don't know. I'm just just (laughs) using out love. Don't be intimidated by her, Amy. Uh I won't. Not that you would. Yeah. Keep going. Question one. In 1928, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly solo across which ocean? Amy. The Atlantic? Correct. Bring it, brown cow, chicka, chicka. (laughs) Question two. Condoleezza Rice became the first African-American woman to hold which of these jobs? That was my whoopee cushion. <laughs> um, Three. Secreta- Secretary of State. Correct. Yeah, baby! One to one! Something Julie yeah. likes to do is she squeaks in and then takes about 30 seconds to come up with an answer. So That's hilarious. She was also, you, Fowdy. She's also one of the first women on the college football uh, board of directors. Yeah. There you yeah. go. There we go. One to one. Question three. Becky Hammond became the first full-time female coach in the NBA. What team does she coach for? Ooh. Oh, that was close. That was Amy. Okay, I should know this because she went to Colorado State, which is where I went to school, too. Is it the Knicks? It's not the Knicks. Incorrect. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. That is incorrect. It is the San Antonio Spurs. It's the Spurs. Yes, baby! Come on! I'm sorry, Becky. I love you. Question four. Who was the first woman elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Was it A, Stevie Nicks, B, Aretha Franklin, or C, Blondie? Amy. Stevie Nicks. Incorrect. Oh, God. Blondie? Oh, God. Wait. Um, Do I have a chance? I have a chance to win it with the credits, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, what's the score? Is it two to one? It is. You can win this. Okay, so Blondie or um, what was the other one? Aretha, right? Aretha, yeah. Blondie or Aretha Franklin? (sighs) Aretha. I I need an answer. What was it? Aretha. Aretha. Correct. <laughs> wow. Uh, I should have used another squeaker. I would have won. <laughs> Good job, Julie. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Amy, she really did need that for her confidence, if we're being honest. Well, good. And that's why we let her have it. <laughs> no, that was awesome. That was fun. I like that. Most pressing questions, Amy. Okay. You have a street named after you in Fort Collins, Colorado. 
I seriously, do. I do. How cool and is that? It's so cool, and it's getting a facelift, much as I probably should in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting a little facelift this summer. It's amazing. What's really weird is like driving around campus, and it's changed so much. So I need Siri to tell me where I'm going. I do in my house too. It's fine. Um, and she'll be like, turn left on Amy Van Dyken Way. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, that, that should be like your alarm clock. That's cool. <laughs> All the nightmares. Yeah, that should be recording. Um, favorite workout music? Oh, heavy metal, without a doubt. Oh, a boom. Girl. Yeah, I'm a metal girl. I love a little In This Moment. It's a chick band, uh, Balls. So yeah, um, it, what's it called? In this moment, heavy metal chick band. Yep, in this moment, it's All a right. yeah. So they're awesome. I'll check it out. Oh, that's right. a good one. Uh, I saw you're a reality TV junkie as well. Oh girl, it's so sad. <laughs> goes, Why don't you watch something with paid actors like I do? I'm like, oh, these people are paid more than your people are paid. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. Favorite reality show? Big Brother. Any country, oh, really? any country, anywhere. When they did the Celebrity Big Brother here, um, we were in talks to possibly be able to do that. Um, and we were in talks with UK too when they had it to, to do it. So I would have, I would have loved. It. I would have been the first person voted out, but it would still would have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I still haven't quite gotten to the reality TV phase yet. <clears throat> do you watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette? You know what? I used to. I used to. And I don't know what it was that turned me off of it. Um, not that if it's not on, I won't watch it, but it's just not one of my jams. What about Below Deck Med? Love all the Below Decks. They've started this new sailing one. Not into it, but that's fine. Love the Med. Never even heard of it. <laughs> You're missing out. What's it, what's it called? Below what? Below Deck? Mm-hmm. Med. Med? Mediterranean. Yeah, like, yeah, there's oh, a difference meant, between like, just blow doctors, deck and blow deck. Blow deck doctors. <laughs> it's coming. It is coming. <laughs> All right, last segment we always do on the podcast, Amy, is high, low, cheer. I do this around the dinner table with my kids. For them, it's high of the day, low of the day, and someone they cheer for. For you, it is high of your career low of your career and the cheer is for someone you are grateful for that has helped you along the way. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the high of my career, um, I would say probably 96 women winning the hundred butterfly probably shouldn't have even qualified in that event. Yeah. And I won it. So that was pretty cool. Um, the low of my career, was getting mouthy on NBC after a race and looking in the camera and saying, I could have swum that fast if I was a man. <laughs> Remember, they're always on. Cameras are always on. Um, mics, mics are always hot. We've learned that. Always hot. Watch the mouth, honey. <laughs> they're always on. So I learned that the hard way. Um, and let's see, the cheer. Oh, God, there's two. Can I pick two? They're both in the same realm. My college coach, John Matos, and the coach at the Olympic Committee uh, or at the Olympic Training Center, John T. Skinner. Um, John Matos, because I wasn't going to, I was going to quit swimming and he got me back swimming. Um, and John T. Skinner, because he catapulted me to be what I am. So without really? them, they're both like my second. The two Johns. 
The two Aww. Johns, I know, my people. I know, John, one of them, John T. Skinner, actually joined us for a happy hour. And one of my teammates goes, I just feel so weird drinking in front of John T. And I'm like, girl, he smelt us rolling in on Saturday morning. He knows. <laughs> He knows all your deep, dark secrets. Sadly. <laughs> uh, I know you've said it <clears throat> before. You don't see yourself as disabled. You see yourself as differently abled. And I just am so thrilled to watch you soar, given all that you've been through in these last six years, and to start your nonprofit, and you're helping people, and you have Amy's Army. Um, I'm super proud of you, my friend, oh, and all you. that you're doing. And I love that our dope village gets to hear your story. Thank I'm you for taking the time so to share it. Beyond grateful that you guys asked. Thank you so much. It was cool reconnecting um, after it's been a minute. So it's been really cool reconnecting yeah. and all that stuff. So thank you guys so much for having me on. It was so much fun. What an amazing story. What an amazing comeback by her. Um, and we'll go into takeaways. Lynn, do you want to start or do you want me to? Go for it, Jules. Okay. My two, if you'll allow it. One, one of the themes we wanted to hit on this season beyond rock star women who have incredible stories is to highlight how much we all need a community in our lives. And how much we need each other. And really we have to look no further than what we're going through right now to, for that to hit home and her ability to adjust and find her community and not just find it, but thrive in it is something that I just love to hear. And as we've talked about on so many podcasts, being able to reframe it in a way that, um, she sought out this community is now stronger because of it, whether that's the CrossFit community or Amy's army and all she's doing in that space to help people with spinal cord injuries has been incredible Two, my second takeaway is Lynn really intensely dislikes. I'm not going to say hates because I tell my kids not to say that Lynn intensely dislikes when I win the game. <laughs> <laughs> don't you i could I hear it. it you oh, you, you so badly want our guests to win and uh, in it every kills way. you well here's why in the open you talked about how you are a sore loser if there's such a thing as a sore winner i think it's just that you're so happy that you didn't lose that's why you get excited yeah it's like you're overcompensating I have no bad feelings about winning. I'm like, right on, let's go. I just won. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> but I could see you like, Julie, why did you do that? I'm sorry for all future guests. I am coming for you, whether Lynn likes it or not. In all fairness, when it comes to the questions, I'm not skewing them where you wouldn't know them. But yeah, I am always rooting for the guests. That's true. <laughs> All right, what are your takeaways? One, I have two as well. One, I love that Amy loves her some reality TV, which I love <laughs> about her. Yes. I thought it was pretty hilarious that you thought Below Deck Med was a show about doctors. 
<laughs> I know. When I listen that to, to that again, I'm like, I'm so dumb. How would you know? <laughs> if you're not watching Bravo TV, how would you know? I will True. say I have watched a few episodes of Below Deck Sailing Yacht, whatever it's called. I don't mind it. It's not. It's no Below Deck Med, but <laughs> it serves its purpose. My other takeaway mm-hmm. was hearing Amy talk about CrossFit and how she got back into adaptive CrossFit. And the thing about it is, I'm sure it wasn't easy in the beginning, but she needed a space Mm -hmm. in her life where she could be challenged and where she, as you said, found a community. So I think there's something to say about um, finding what what feels right. The pool no longer served her yet she was still willing to maybe get out of her comfort zone a little bit to do CrossFit in a completely different way, and she's found a home there. Yeah, because I I imagine because it was such a sanctuary and such a refuge for her, the pool, that, you know, there's probably a lot of people who would have tried to make it such again, and she knew right away, like, Mm -hmm. this isn't working. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Lynn, now it's time for Questions Permitted. What do we got? Questions Permitted. This one comes from at Sullivan S. Summer on Twitter. And the question is, how did we come up with this podcast? Oh, this is a good one for you, since it is you. That's right. It was my idea. Oh, and you're awesome, sister. Let's hear it. (laughs) The original idea started probably three years ago, and I was listening to Anna Ferris's podcast, Unqualified, and I loved the vibe of it, and that particular podcast had Anna Ferris as the main host, and she had a co-host who was her best friend, and I started listening to other podcasts, and I thought that, Julie, you and I could do it, and I really mm-hmm. believed in the idea in the beginning You were a tad hesitant, and by I say a tad, (laughs) completely resistant. (laughs) And I kept going back to you. And when you would say, no, I don't think so, then I would explain or or rethink how it could be done. And then at some point, you were on board. And then the next step was recording a couple of episodes that we could share with people Mm -hmm. at ESPN. And what that took was I had to learn how to edit and record a podcast. So I went to the Google. Went to the Google. Went to the Google. And I bought a couple of new microphones. I bought a recorder. And then I bought a plane ticket out to California where we recorded with Mia Ham and Carrie Walsh Jennings. We've talked about that. So that was the beginning of it. And the bottom line was that I believed in the idea. I believed in it from the beginning. Yeah, you did too. And mm-hmm. you pushed me on it. Yeah. And you didn't, wh- where I give you huge credit is you didn't stop, right? When I was like, you're crazy. Like, there's only a billion mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. How are we going to separate? You're like, yeah, we can. Come on, let's go. You kept saying it. I'm like, whatever, Lynn. Okay, Lynn. Right. <laughs> Thank God you kept pushing because it's been so much fun. It really has. What a journey it's been. We're still pretending to know what we're doing, <laughs> but we're learning as we go. That is a very true statement. We continue to learn as we go, which uh, is 
another reason why we're grateful for the dope village and our community for giving us some grace when we do make errors. I made one this past week with the Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris episode where if you heard 10 minutes of it twice, that was because I made a mistake. And I can tell you that's not a mistake I'm ever going to make again because it took a while to correct. Um, But that's part of the journey, I guess. And it has been a lot of fun. It's been rewarding, too. And as I said to you on the phone, really, if that is our biggest issue, we're okay, Lynn. Very true. (laughs) We are just fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a wrap on this episode. As always, we so appreciate our dope village. Be sure to drop us a line on social media and spread the good word about the podcast from a safe social distance of six feet, of course. Don't forget to hunt joy. It's something all of us have to do daily, and I promise you it's out there. Think about what brings a smile to your face and put yourself in the way of it. And for me, it's... It's maybe hiking or mountain biking through the hills with my cute monsters. It's definitely not losing in ping pong or volleyball. Lynn, where are you finding your joy? The last dance and lots of walks. (laughs) A huge thank you to our sponsors, Ally Bank and Cliff Bar and Company for supporting our dope village during these crazy times. And as we close out the show, a big thanks as well to Kate Diaz, a Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy alum for our oh-so-catchy theme music, which I find myself humming throughout the day. And as always, remember, kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. Kick them in the ding-ding!